morning, digital church, family, community, worldwide people. Good to have you with me this morning. Bible says that uh, this is a day that the Lord has made and that I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. I hope that the times that we come together at the Digital Cathedral are times that you really do rejoice and you feel the presence of God and you learn something and you're stretched a little bit. And when you turn your phone or your computer off, you feel like you've had a connection with other people around the world that are really hearing what you're hearing. I think that's the power of the Digital Cathedral really is to make you know that you are not alone in what God is showing you, the revelation that is coming to you. You're hearing it uh, from others that are in different parts of the world and it's coming and it's strong and it's become a tsunami. And I don't know where it will all end. I don't know how, how deep and how far the Lord will take us. But I tell you, I'm really excited. And in case you can't tell, I'm kind of feeling my Wheaties today. So this is the day. For me, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice. I'm, I'm happy to feel good, to feel strong, to feel healthy. And I hope that you're feeling the same way. Bible has a lot to say about the mind and the role it plays in the way that you live your life, the decisions that you make. For example, the Bible says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Bible also says that we are transformed and not conformed to this world by the renewing of our mind. Scripture says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spirit minded is life and peace. Uh, the scripture says that we should set our mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And finally, Scripture says that we have the mind of Christ, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. I'm bringing to a conclusion uh, a, a four-part series that we have been talking about how to manifest as a son of God, what it means to manifest, uh, how sons manifest. And I took three weeks talking to you about uh, our actions, the actions of a manifested son of God. And so I'm kind of tagging on to what I did those three weeks, but I'm going to take it in a little bit different direction this morning. We're going to talk about the mind and the role that the mind plays. And I hope you remember we ended last week with uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. We talked about the ways that a son practically manifests and that Jesus said that he was anointed to manifest, to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, set at liberty the captives, uh, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We looked at six, six very practical ways. And out of those actions uh, and meeting the needs of those people that fit those categories, miracles and signs and wonders happened in the life of Jesus. So this morning, I want to take it just a little step farther, and I want to talk about the mind of Christ. Jesus, the flesh man, Jesus, the man that, that breathed like you, that had a heart like you, lungs like you, who was a flesh-appearing human, he had the mind of Christ. And that's exactly the mind, according to Scripture, that we have also. So my thesis this morning is very simple. My thesis is this. If you're going to act like a manifested son of God, then you're also going to have to Think like a manifested son of God. Jesus demonstrated both. Jesus demonstrated how to act, and Jesus also demonstrated how to think as a son of God. So I, I'm, I'm believing this. Here's, here's where I feel like the Lord's kind of taking me. If I can act like a son of God, and I can 
think like a son of God, then the fruit of the action and the thinking will be the manifestation. And that's what we're after. We're after maturing into the manifestation. And maturing into the manifestation means that I have to act like we've talked for three weeks, very practical ways, rubber meets the road, nuts and bolts, blocking and tackling, hitting and, and throwing, uh, fundamentals of sports, that we have to get the fundamentals down. The fundamentals are Luke 4, 18 and 19. Now, there is a, there is a work of the mind that comes to support that to strengthen that, to help that. So that mind is the mind of Christ and it sets up priorities, it sets up boundaries. And, and the, the premier thing about the mind of Christ is this, it refuses to act based on the data that the five physical senses feed into it. That's how the natural mind thinks. The natural mind, we've all been groomed to think this way. We've, we've been, we've been uh, highly honed to make decisions based on what our senses feed to our mind and then we make what we think is the logical or the good choice, not the bad choice, not the evil choice, but the good choice. It's all eating at the wrong tree. But the mind of Christ isn't moved by that. The mind of Christ is, is moved by the prompting of the Spirit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very practical this morning and I'm gonna give you five ways that we can think with the mind of Christ. Let me say right at the top, as I get into this, that this is not a work of the flesh. This is not something that you can, you can gin up in yourself. This is a work of grace. And you remember my, my, my premier definition of grace? There's a lot of good definitions of grace. But how I've seen grace work in my life is this. Grace is a divine influence that produces effortless change as I rest in him. I'm gonna to talk to you this morning about exercising the mind of Christ, not because you are, have put your nose to the grindstone or you've highly disciplined yourself or, or you've, you've prompted your flesh and brought it under subjection. It's not, it doesn't work that way. The mind of Christ is developed as that divine influence that comes as you fellowship with the Father, you spend time alone with Him. You, you know, it's not, it's not warfare prayer. It's, it's just communing. It's communing. It's, it's relationship. As you do that, a divine influence begins to work in your life that you can't explain, but it produces change. And that, that, that change comes as you rest in him. Now, you're going to notice these things beginning to happen in your life, these five ways, as you think with the mind of Christ. You're just, you're just going to begin to see it arise. And you're going to look back like you have... The, the changes in the way you act. You, grace has changed the way you act. And a lot of you have told me that. You said, I didn't even know I was, I didn't even know I had changed until all of a sudden I noticed my behavior was not the same. I started loving people that I didn't love before. I started not seeing people after the flesh. I, I noticed that I was empowered not to do the things that I, I tried not to do so hard for years. All of a sudden it just came, it came automatically. You notice that in your actions you're gonna notice the same thing in your thinking. And this is why I, I'm excited about the teaching this morning. Because I think, I think, I know that the thinking and the action have got to come in synchronization. They have got to come into agreement. They work in harmony together. So I'm gonna give you five ways this morning that you begin to think with the mind of Christ. And as I said, you're gonna to begin to notice these begin to erupt. They're gonna they're going to come to the surface. You're gonna to begin to think like this automatically. All right, so number one is this, and these are not by priority. They're just numbered randomly as I get them. As I get it, I give it, right? 
So number one is this. The mind of Christ responds and yields to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. The mind of Christ responds and yields to the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit or of the Father. Let, let's, let's say Father. Let's keep Father in this. When the Father speaks, uh, we know it and, and we speak. And uh, uh, it responds without argument. It responds without holding back. It doesn't debate. The natural mind debates because the natural mind is trying to figure out the best. The mind of Christ responds. It's, a, it's, a, it's an automatic response. It's, a, it's an impulse almost that is developed in us. And that kind of response requires two things. And I kind of, I kind of hit on it here just a minute ago. The, the mind of Christ that responds to the initial promptings of the Father comes from sensitivity, right? From the, from the time that you spend with the Father. The more time you spend with the Father, the more sensitive you become to his voice. When Jesus said his sheep hear his voice, this sheep has learned that the more time I spend commuting, just quiet, listening, uh, fellowshipping, the more sensitive I become to that voice. And the other, the other thing that allows uh, the mind of Christ to respond without argument, without debate, but just to automatically say, Father, whatever you say, I say. If you say go, I go. If you say stop, I stop. If you say be quiet, I'm quiet. If you say give, I give. If you say don't give, I don't give. What, what and it enables me to be that responsive is not only sensitivity, but it's obedience. It's agreement ahead of time. I, 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 have, I have to make an agreement ahead of time that whatever the Father says, I'll do. And I, I just react to it. When I'm sitting at the corner and the father says, give the guy with the sign $5. I don't debate it. I don't argue with it. If I'm sitting at the sign and he says, don't give the guy $5, I obey that, right? And that, that's, that is just in obedience. Jesus was highly developed in both of these. Jesus spent tremendous, vast amounts of time fellowshipping with the father. He spent vast times just communing. And he was also extremely inobedient. In, in obedience. He walked in obedience. He made up his mind ahead of time. How many times did Jesus say, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. That's obedience. Let me show you how, how this mind works out with action. Can I do that? All right, here's the, here's the synchronization I'm talking about. In John chapter 11, we find the familiar story of Lazarus. Now, I'm going to walk through some of the verses of this, and I, I, I want you to follow this, because this is a great story. This is a great story. John chapter 11, let me read the first eight verses and verse 16. And this, this is how the mind of, there's no mind of Christ here, right? First, first eight verses. Now Lazarus, a certain man was sick. He was of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it says in verse two that, Mar that Mary was the one that anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. All right, so you got the picture? Jesus knew these people. We're going to find out that they had a very special place in the life of Jesus. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, behold whom he whom you love is sick. Do you sense any manipulation and control in that? They sent word to Jesus and they said, Jesus, the one that you love, the one that you really care for, he's sick. And I can tell you, after years of being a pastor, if I would have gotten a phone call like that, I would have, I would have stopped whatever I was doing. 
and I would have gotten a car and I would have went over there immediately. I would have responded to that. that. There's a pull there. When you tell somebody that the one that you love is sick, there's a pull that you better do something and you better respond quickly. Now, Jesus, but the father, father said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. So in verse 2, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved them. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus, verse, verse 6. So when Jesus heard that he was sick, why didn't he go right away? Because the Father said, don't go right away. Watch. He then stayed two days longer in the place that he was. Now, folks, that's the mind of Christ working right there. The first part was not the mind of Christ. It, it's, it's putting a pull. It's putting manipu manipulation on Jesus. Jesus responded with what the Father told him to do. Father said, stay, stay right here. Then we find in, in verse uh, 7, then after this, Jesus said to the disciples, let us go up to Judea again. That was not a good place for Jesus. Verse 8, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now. We just came out of this. They were seeking to stone you. Are you going to go up there again? You're putting yourself in danger. That's not the mind of Christ. Jesus was responding and said, let's go to Judea. Why did Jesus say, let's go to Judea? Because the Father said, that's the way I want you to go. Now, here's the, This is not the mind of Christ. Verse 16 Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let's go with him, that we may also die with him. So that's, that's not the mind of Christ. That's, that's not working there. Now, in verse 17, we find Jesus getting there. So they made it through Judea just fine. When you follow the promptings of the Father and you let the mind of Christ respond don't argue, just respond. It works well. Now, in verse 17, we find Jesus finally gets down to where they're at. And so he says in verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Already been in the tomb four days. The guy was stone cold dead. No, 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 no two ways about it. Now, that has an effect on your natural mind because Jesus already said, He's, he's not going to die, but I'm, this is going to be for the glory of God and so that the Son of God can be manifested. You're going to see God working in me through this. Now, Mary and Martha were brokenhearted. And what did Jesus come to do? He came to heal the brokenhearted. Lazarus was a captive of death. What did Jesus come to do? Set the captives free. So these fit the six in that six categories that we talked about last week of actions of a manifested son of God. And this is where the emphasis of Jesus was. It was on meeting the need of those ladies that were brokenhearted and Lazarus that was held captive. So let, let, let's pick this up. Now, this is the mind of Christ. Watch this in verse 19. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Right. So that they all just joined in with Martha and Mary. That's a sad thing. And you know how you say, uh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And we, we, we grieve with you. And so all these people that Martha and Mary knew, the Jews, they gathered around and said, we're so sorry this happened. Uh, uh, now watch the mind of Christ. Let me, let me read on here. Verse 20. 
Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Martha's, but Mary stayed at the house. Mary was in a funk. Mary was depressed. Mary was not happy with Jesus. Mary thought, when I send for Jesus, he'll be there on the spot. And then in verse 22, uh, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, look at the guilt trip. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. How do you think Jesus in the natural would have felt? If he did not know he was, he was responding to the direction of the Father, he would have been full, full, full of guilt right there. Jesus, if you'd have been here, how would you feel if somebody said to you, if you'd have been here, this would not have happened? We would have had a better result. I know that for sure. So Jesus responds with the mind of Christ, and he says, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection and the life. Who, he who believes in me, even if he, he dies, he will live. And everyone who believes and believes in me will never die. And he said, do you believe this? She said, okay, Lord, I got it. So let's come down to verse 37. Now, even some of the people said, could not this man, verse no mind to Christ here, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? Now watch, here's the function of the mind of Christ. Jesus moves into action now in verse 38 to verse 44. So Jesus also being deeply moved within came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and the stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Now that's the mind of Christ. That's the prompting of the Father. If he's going to raise Lazarus, you got to remove the stone. If Lazarus is... If Lazarus is coming out of the grave, if the need is going to be met in your life, then you've got to make preparation. Remove the stone. And she said, Lord, he's been in here four days. And by this time, there is a stench because he's been in there so long. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they moved the stone that Jesus raised his voice and said, Father, I thank you that you've already heard me. Ha, ha, ha. I love that. He wasn't, he didn't, he didn't get into praying in tongues and come against the spirit of death. And he didn't call the prayer chain. He didn't, he didn't get on Facebook and said, y'all need to pray for me or pray for life. He didn't do any of that. He just said, Father, I thank you that you always, you always hear me. But because of these people, I'm, I'm going to make a request to you. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, then when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. That's a function of the mind of Christ. He was, he was responding to the way the father told him to do it. Father told him, have you noticed through the gospels, the father told Jesus any number of ways to minister healing because the healing, the miracle was not, was not the, the, the target. The target was meeting the needs of people that were brokenhearted, that were depressed, that were held captive, that were in poverty, lacking some way. That's what Jesus came to do. That's, what, that's the need he came to meet. And out of that, the mind of Christ functioned and gave him direction, multiple different ways on how to get that need met. Verse 44. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, said to them, unbind him, take the wrappings off of him, loose him, and let him go. Now, what was Jesus really ministering to? 
he was ministering to the sisters that were brokenhearted. He was ministering to Lazarus that was held captive by death. And in meeting those needs, a miracle took place and Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus thought like a son. Jesus acted like a son. And the result of the two coming together was the fruit of manifestation. Are you, are you with me? Are you beginning to see that our actions as a son are directly dictated by thinking like a son? That's just the first point. Second point is this. Second thing, mind of Christ empowers us to commit to his will even though we don't know fully what his will is. Have you ever been in that place? Where, where you commit fully to his will, even though you don't know what his will is. Jesus grew in this. Jesus, I don't think Jesus, Jesus the man, the flesh man, knew entirely early in his life what the full will of the Father is. And that's why I think it says in, what is it, Luke 2.52, that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and with man. I think it's fair to say that Jesus the man was limited to the course of development as that human man. His Christ consciousness expanded, and as it expanded, his understanding of what the will of the Father was, at 12 he had, a, he had more idea than he did when he was eight or 10, and I think at 2025 20, he had much greater idea because the intimacy, the, the, the inner workings that took place within him, he was, he was being empowered by the mind of Christ to commit to the will of the Father, even though he didn't fully know exactly what the will of the Father was. And I think it hit the zenith when Jesus in the garden said, not my will, but your will. And then as he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I think that's when he really fully realized, okay, this, it's finished. I think at that, at that, at that time, he, he fully knew that he had accomplished the will of the Father. That, that is an empowerment that comes as you fulfill the plan and the will of God for your life. You say, well, that was Jesus. Well, you know, how about Paul in Acts chapter nine? And I'm not gonna take time to read, but you can read if you want to the first six verses. And it's Paul on the Damascus Road having the Damascus Road experience and he's knocked to the ground and the Lord appears to him. Now watch Paul's response. I think it's about verse six. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? He was willing at that point to commit to the will of the Father, even though he didn't know what the whole will was. I, I will assure you that as he lay on his back on the Damascus Road, submitting to the Lordship of Jesus and saying, what do you want me to do? When he made that commitment, he didn't know that he was going to be beaten with rods. He didn't know he was going to be stoned. He didn't know he was going to be shipwrecked. He didn't know he was going to be tossed into prison, into stocks, in the way in the back in the darkest part of the prison. He didn't know any of that was going to take place. And still he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm thinking about Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, the first four verses. God appears to Abraham and he says, Abraham, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out of I want you to get out of Dodge, take all your possessions, pack it all up together. But he said, I, I don't want you taking any, I don't want you taking anybody with you. So Abraham did what God asked him to do. He had no idea that it was going to take 25 years to fulfill the promise that God gave him right then of a son. When at 75, he had no children. And God promised him a son. He had no idea all he was going to go through in those 25 years. He had no idea that his heart would be broken when he had to send Ishmael 
and the handmaiden out into the desert. I, I think that probably broke Abraham's heart. He had no idea of, of what he would go through, but he, he obeyed. He obeyed the initial promptings and the mind of Christ empowered him to commit himself to the will of God, even though he didn't know what the whole will of God was. Both responses, they didn't, they didn't know. You know, the father's a little bit like Paul Harvey. He says, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story as the story unfolds. So the mind of Christ is going to move you to rest as you respond in obedience. And as you respond in obedience, it takes the heat off of you. I need to make that point. It takes the heat off of you. It takes the performance off of you. When the Father speaks to you and you respond, then it becomes his obligation. It becomes uh, uh, his problem to complete what he said in your life that he's promised you. And all, all he's asking you to do is to commit to the will, even though you don't know what the full will is. Now, remember, we're, remember what we're teaching this morning. We're teaching this. If you want to act like a son, you want to manifest as a son, then a component part of that, a big part of it, is learning how to think like a son. All right, number three. Number three, the mind of Christ empowers you to be available to serve no matter what the job or the assignment is. The mind of Christ empowers you to be available to serve no matter what the assignment is. That's how Jesus lived. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 20, Jesus talks about how Gentiles lorded over people. They're looking for the superior position. Uh, they're not going to lower themselves to take a job that's below their pay grade. Then he finishes it up in verse 28, and he says, that's not what, how I came. I came to serve and not to be served. Uh, Jesus didn't say this at 12. He didn't say it at 20. Uh, his, his way of a fully functioning mind of Christ I think was demonstrated here in verse 20 through 25 through verse 20, especially in that, that 25th verse or that 28th verse. Um, that's the way that he functioned. And then we, we find over in, um, what is it, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, that Jesus humbled himself, took upon him the form of, the, of a servant, became obedient even to death. He took on him the form of a bond servant. That's how, that's how Jesus manifested. Remember I taught you last week that he, he knew his position as a son, but he manifested as a servant. The mind of Christ lets you gather all of your personal rights, all of what you think you're entitled to, all your expectations, all your offense triggers, all your need for recognition, all the titles, you won't have to put them on your business card anymore, all the need that you have for approval, all the, all the things that you desire that people say, attaboy, you did a great job, and you surrender them to the Father. And you, whatever, whatever the job opens up, you do it. That's the way grace rolls. That's the way grace functions. It surely does. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. I want to I read that verse for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. I hope you're getting something out of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. One more page. You see, I still got my Bible turner going. I'm, this thing is not broken in yet. It's going to take me a while. 
He says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And remember, we're, this, this point, the mind of Christ empowers you to be available to serve regardless of, of what the, the assignment is, what the job is, how high it is, how low it is. It doesn't matter. Jesus, or Paul said this, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? That's what helps us with, with, verse, with this third point. You're absolutely not your own. And he says in verse 20, for you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body on whatever the assignment is. The mind of Christ teaches us that the key word for sonship is availability. It's availability. It's not position. It's availability where he can call you and say to you at any time, I, I need you to do it. Here's, here's the job. I, I know it's, it's below your pay grade. I know it's below what you think your anointing is, below what your call is. I know straightening up the chairs on Sunday morning, that's, you know, that's the work of, of the helps ministry or that's the job of the maintenance man or you know whatever, whatever menial job. Sometimes it's tough, but it can go the other way too. Sometimes he will ask you something way above and beyond what you're able to do in your natural self. And you, that's when you really have to, have to depend on him to come come through for you. So it runs on both sides of the schedule. It runs on both sides of the scale, right? It can be an assignment that's way beyond anything you've ever done and you go, I can't walk on water. I can't get this done. Or it might be way below. But this Philippians 2.13 really fits right here. Knowing that it's God that works in you, right? He puts the will in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So all he asks is that you let the mind of Christ respond to whatever the assignment is, whatever the job is, it's none's too high and none's too low, right? Number four, number four, this is big. The mind of Christ empowers you to please the Father in priority over pleasing other people. This is tough. At first glance, it may not look hard, but, but it is. The pressure to conform and to please other people happens to all of us. I encountered it a lot as a pastor. I, I don't have much of that anymore. I, you, you, you at the Digital Cathedral are so easy to work with. I, I love teaching this, this group on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. You're so available to, to the things of God. You're so open to what he's teaching. That's not always the way. You know, when I first began to teach this mes message, I had, had pushback. I had opposition. And the pressure to conform to what people expect of you um, I bet you've encountered some of that since you have in, embarked on the, the journey that you're on right now. I bet you have faced some of that, and it, and it wars with your mind. Rejection is not one of the favorite things of anybody. Nobody enjoys being rejected. Nobody enjoys being pushed aside. Nobody enjoys being dismissed. Nobody really likes that. Uh, but you have, to, you have to set a priority. The mind of Christ sets a priority. And the priority of the mind of Christ is that you please the Father over pleasing other people. You know, we find in Acts chapter 5 that, that some of the boys got hauled into the pastor's office because uh, of what they were doing. And so in Acts chapter 5, verse 27, 28, 29, this is a Keithley paraphrase, they hauled these boys into the pastor's office and they said, look, we told you not to teach in this name anymore. And 
And uh, we told you, you better back it up and you better lighten up and you better move off of this course that you're on. And in that 29th verse, Peter responded and said, I'm sorry, but we have to obey God rather than man. That was an affront, that was an affront to, the, to the leaders. You, you know, when you, when you ask the pastor a question and you know that he has no answer for it, and that requires then that you respond to what the Holy Spirit is showing you, and so you begin to believe a little different or move in a different direction, and the pastor confronts you and says, you know, we don't believe it that way. You, you need to, you, if you keep teaching that, I'm taking the class away from you. I'm not going to let you have that home group. Your response has got to be, your, your priority is to please God rather than man. Now, you don't have to be, you know, smart aleck about it. You don't have to be caustic or aloof or religious. But you know within that the mind of Christ has called you to obey man or not to obey man, but to obey God. And it gets difficult sometimes, especially if it's family. Jesus encountered this in Matthew chapter 12. I think it's verses 46 to 50 right in there. And I'm running short on my time a little bit. So I'm not reading all the scriptures. I'm just paraphrasing. I'm telling you the story. Jesus is teaching. And his mother and brother show up. And while he's teaching, mama sends word in to Jesus through a messenger and says, tell Jesus mama's out here and wants to talk to him. His brother's out here. We, we want to see him. He can stop what he's doing. He can pick that up anytime. And so uh, Jesus refused to do it. He absolutely refused to go out. He finished exactly what he was going to do. He wasn't disrespecting his family. It's not respecting loved ones when you obey God rather than their demands on you. And some of you have family that put time demands on you, emotional demands on you, that are absolutely not only unreasonable, they're contrary to the priority that the Spirit of God has, has led you into, that the mind of Christ is teaching you into. Family is well-meaning. Family can be very well-meaning, but they can also be very controlling. They can be very manipulative. So we should always hold family in our heart. Hold family close. You know, I, I believe in family. I love my family. But there comes a point in your life, if it comes down to obeying one or the other, you have to do exactly what God has shown you to do. So let me just repeat number four. The mind of Christ will empower you to please the Father in priority over pleasing other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to I read John 5, 18, 19, just, just for you real quick as I end that point, just to kind of drive it home. John chapter 5, let me turn back here. John chapter 5, verse 18 and verse 19. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, if that wasn't bad enough, he's... He's breaking the Sabbath. You know, back in my day, breaking the Sabbath was watching TV on Sunday <laughs> or, uh, you know, doing some activity that was fun, going swimming. That was breaking the Sabbath because the Sabbath was holy. You better keep it holy. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, also calling God his Father. And by calling God his Father, he's making himself equal to God. Therefore, the Jews answered and said to Jesus, Truly I say to you, the Son of he said, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the Father do. 
For whatever the Father does, these things the Son does in like manner. What was Jesus doing in that 19th verse of John chapter 5? He was setting a priority. He was saying, I understand what you guys are saying, and yeah, it's true I am breaking the Sabbath. And it's true that I, I do call him my Father. But he said, I, I, I've, got to, I've got to obey. He said, I, I have to do what I see him doing. I have to follow that example. So the mind of Christ empowers us to do several things. Let, 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 me just, let me just go back over this. I don't want you to forget it. Number one, mind of Christ responds and yields to the initial promptings of the Spirit, right? Number two, the mind of Christ empowers us to commit to his will even when we don't know what the full will is. Number three, the mind of Christ empowers us to be available to serve even though we don't know what the assignment is or whatever the assignment is. And number four, the mind of Christ empowers us to please the Father over pleasing other people. Now, number five, number five, this is the last one. And I, I love this. I love this fifth one. Here's what I have found. That the mind of Christ empowers you to rest and watch him turn your difficulties, your apparent failures, and your darkest hours into your greatest achievements. Mind of Christ empowers you to rest and wait and watch. Let him work. Mind of Christ sometimes will just say, hold it. Don't proceed, this stop right where you're at. And you watch him turn your difficulties, the things that you think you really failed at, the darkest hours of your life. Watch him turn those into your greatest achievements. The contradictions that arise in life, those things that, that appear to oppose you, and opposing you, what I mean by opposing you is opposing what you feel is the apparent will of God for your life. For example, Moses knew from an early age that his assignment was to deliver, his heart was to deliver his people out of slavery. And so the, the, the failure, the apparent failure, was when he killed the Egyptian taskmaster. And he had to flee to the backside of the desert for 40 years. I'm sure he felt like a failure. He felt like, man, I've blown it. I, that's, not, that's not what I wanted to do. This is not where I wanted to end up in life. I had no, had no desire to be back here on the backside of the desert minding sheep. In fact, if you'd asked me when I was being raised in the king's house with all the, the finery of that place that I would have ever been back here with stinky, smelly sheep, growing old, feeling like my years had escaped me, I would have thought you're crazy. And yet it was out of that place that the burning bush spoke, and he became the I am to go and bring the children of Israel out of slavery. How about Abraham? I mentioned him earlier. 25 years clinging to a promise. <laughs> I bet when, I bet, when he had to release Ishmael, he felt like a failure, like, man, I really messed up. And, you know, honestly, he did. He really, that was a failure. And he paid the price for that failure emotionally. You know, we're going to make some decisions that are not points number one, two, three, and four. We're not responding to the initial promptings. We're not doing his will, even when we don't know what it is. Abraham knew the will, and this is a time he got sidetracked, and he paid a price for it. 25 years the man went. Do you think you could go 25 years with the promise? How, how about Joseph? Years in prison, he did nothing wrong. It, 
he, he probably felt like a failure. The contradictions that came against Joseph at Potiphar's house. Yet he was training. He ran Potiphar's house. When he was put into prison, I, I, that had to be a low point. And yet in prison, he found fa a favorite position. All of those things that he felt were low points, were failures, were dark hours, were in full prep preparation to become the prime minister of the entire nation. They were not wasted years. Jonah, when he was in the belly of the fish, he got there on his own, own uh, actions, his own resistance, his own rebellion. But it was out of the belly of the fish that he saw the wisdom of God's will and he ended up becoming a successful evangelist, doing what God called him to do. Grace brings the mind of Christ into everyday living. The mind of Christ is actually uh, grace expressed practically. I think that's the best way to say it. it it's it's going to provide you resiliency. The mind of Christ builds, builds you to where you have resiliency to get up after you've been stoned like Paul was and walk back into town. That man had to be in bad shape. It, 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 it empowers you to resurrect from the dead. They might crucify you, but the mind of Christ will resurrect you. Religion won't tell you this, but I will. All right, I'm going to tell you something. Never forget this. You'll never, you'll never hear this in church. Grace will write the final chapter of your life. I don't care where you're at this morning. I don't care how big a failure you feel like you are. Grace will write the final chapter of your story. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I, I, I don't care if you feel like you've missed the target totally in your life. Your life has not been, has amounted to anything. Grace will write the final chapter of your life. You know the mind of Christ is settling into your, your flesh suit. Jesus had a flesh suit that was captivated by the mind of Christ. You have a flesh suit that's captivated by the same mind of Christ. You'll, you'll, watch, it, you'll watch it begin to develop and it will fully manifest when you know responding to him, prioritizing him, trusting him, when these, when these five points that we've listed, when they become the obsession of your life, when you make him the priority, prioritizing, there it is, prioritizing him becomes the obsession of your life. That you become like Paul, you say, that I might know him, that I might know him. You know him through the mind of Christ. You know him, the mind of Christ pulls back the veil. The mind of Christ is developed through the fellowship and the sensitivity is developed through the fellowship with the Father, that I might know him. The mind of Christ unveil, unveils, it reveals him. It pulls, it, pulls the, it pulls the curtain back. It lets you see. The mind of Christ opens the, opens the eyes of our understanding. And it blows our mind as he shows us who we've always been. That's, what, that's the function of the mind of Christ, to show you who you've always been. We call it revelation. The Father calls it remembrance bringing to remembrance all you've always been. It's the mind of Christ that renews or implants a synchronization button within us, that when that synchronization button is pressed with action and mind, all of a sudden there's manifestation. They work together in power. Mind of Christ is the one that puts the thoughts, the ideas, the, 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 the new, the new uh, revelations. It's the one that lets uh, uh, you think on Christ until, as Paul said, Christ is formed in you. 
So where are we in manifesting as sons of God? My, my burden in these four teachings was to bring something that is very compact in the manifestation of the sons of God. It was to let you know how sons of God manifest, what they do, and also how sons of God think. So I hope in these four weeks, I've been able to kind of dust off any uh, cobwebs of your mind. Like, I don't know what a son of God does. I don't even know if, how, if I'm a son of God to manifest. Maybe that's just for superstars. I don't know how to think. I hope that I have helped you to see how a manifested son of God, first of all, acts. He preaches the gospel to the poor. He heals the brokenhearted. He proclaims liberty to the captives. He brings recovery of sight to the blind and he preaches that year of jubilee, the, the acceptable year of the Lord when all he, he proclaims all debts have been canceled. Reconciliation is, is the message of the hour. He teaches all of those things and he walks those things out and he looks for opportunities to fulfill those six things. And out of fulfilling those six, you mark this old man's words, signs and wonders and miracles will take place. Now, all of this is done through the development of grace. I can't emphasize that enough. This is where grace takes us. So hope you've seen, first of all, how, how a manifested son of God acts. Second of all, I want you to see how a manifested son of God thinks. He responds to the Father in his initial promptings. Number two, he commits himself to the will of God, even though he doesn't know what the full will is. Number three, he's available to any job that the mind of Christ speaks to him to fulfill. Number four, he knows that pleasing the Father takes priority over pleasing other people. And number five, this is so big, he rests. And he watches the Father take the worst that's happened to him in his life. And I'm talking to people I know that have been abused and you wonder why, what was the abuse about it? People have not treated me right, I've been shunned. He takes the darkest, deepest, problematic things that have happened in our life and he brings the success. It's out of those tests that the testimonies come. It's out of those things that the stories come that we can tell. We won't have to tell Bible stories when we have miraculous stories of our own. When we do the things that Jesus did and Jesus did even greater things, we will have stories that we can pull on. The mind of Christ will lead us to function in that way. So let me just wrap this up. Let me just wrap this up and let me reiterate. If you wanna manifest as a son of God, then we need to act like a son and we need to think like a son. And that's gonna take me, I think, to the next teaching that I wanna talk about, which is living a life of being unlimited. It's gonna be unlimited life, and I think this might be a little serious, although I may take a little, might take some rabbit trails on this, I'm not sure. But I just know next week I wanna start on a series called Unlimited. Just simply unlimited, it's gonna be part one. And there might be some others interjected in there before I get to part two, but part one next week, living an unlimited life. And that's where the manifestation of the Son of God leads us. When you act like a son, think like a son, when they come into harmony and the manifestation takes place, it's gonna walk us into a place of being unlimited. Hey guys, thank you for being with me this morning. You're an awesome congregation. You're the most diverse, widespread congregation that I've ever had the privilege of being the teacher to. And I don't take you for granted, I sure don't. I, I take this 
time on Sunday morning very seriously. And I enjoy, I enjoy it, but I also know that I've got a mission. And my mission is, as Paul's was, to bring you to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And if I'm not doing that, then you don't need to watch anymore. If you're not growing and developing, don't watch anymore. If your time is past and you've already know everything and live in everything, then you know what? You need, to, you need to do the video yourself. And you need, as Paul taught Timothy, to teach other men who will teach faithful men also, then you're part of that next generation that needs to also bring those other people that come across your path to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. And I might start challenging some of you about that in the weeks that are ahead. I don't take you for granted. I love being here. It's an honor and a privilege. Thank you for being part of the Digital Cathedral family, a worldwide digital community that is growing every week. One of the things you can do is share this with other people. Share it, with, share it on your Facebook wall. Leave some good comments. Make good comments when I put it on Facebook. Uh, when I put it on my uh, Facebook personal page, pick it up, share it. Let people know what you're hearing, what you're believing, and what you're seeing today. And it's gonna astound you that they're seeing and hearing the same thing, although they still may be in the closet. I'll guarantee it. I had a pastor, I'll just tell you this in closing, I had a pastor that got my book, Hell's Illusion, and I'm not gonna tell you what denomination he pastors, but he said, I read the book in my closet, <laughs> literally, literally, he goes in the closet, turns the light, and he reads the book, because he said, my wife does not agree with this, and the church does not agree with it. He's, he's literally in the closet, but you know what? He had to message me, and he said, I know what you're saying is right. He said, I'm having a trouble believing it because of my background. But he said, I, I know inside that it's absolutely right. So I hope what I say on Sunday resonates with you. If some of it doesn't make sense, just let it cook. If some of it uh, uh, seems over your head or you haven't grasped it or you feel like I'm, you know, you haven't got a handle on, just let it cook and keep coming back every week and you'll find that the pieces start fitting together. Again, God bless you. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for the support and the prayer. Uh, you can give through PayPal at, on my website, and it's um, highly appreciated, especially those of you that do something on a monthly basis. You're part of the team, and God bless. See you next time.